From Idaho Education News, this is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Coming to you not from House Education Island, <laughs> nor from an undisclosed location. We are in our, uh, our global headquarters here in Boise, Idaho, recapping a wild week over at the State House. Uh, just big stuff happening all week. Yeah, it was. It was one of the most memorable uh, weeks of this session, perhaps any session. But we have some clarity. We yeah. have the mm-hmm. answers that we could not give you. Then. Last week, when it comes to the standards debate, it's our top story of the week, Kevin. It went down Wednesday in the Senate Education Committee. Uh, you covered it. What happened? What does it mean? Put it in perspective. Well, the headline is Senate Education Committee reinstated the academic standards in English and math and science. They also reinstated the uh, teacher certification rule that was uh, rejected in the House Education Committee just last week. So the whole omnibus, if you're looking for the technical language, but right. the practical application is they approved uh, all of the standards in English, math, and science that House Ed had repealed the week before, and they approved, like you said, those teacher initial teacher certification standards. And so t- whatever word you want to use overrides uh, reinstates, nullifies the House's action. I like nullification. Uh, <laughs> so does our friends in the House. Uh, but we have some clarity about what's going to happen going forward, don't we? Right. I mean, so we can now call it. We can say that the academic standards that have been in place for the past couple of years will remain in place uh, for the foreseeable future. That does not close the debate over standards by any stretch of the imagination. No. But very striking difference between what we saw in the House and what we saw in the Senate. Uh, It took the House five weeks to hold hearings on the standards, to hold hearings on the rules, and to eventually repeal all of those academic standards. It took the Senate 35 minutes to approve the omnibus rule from from front to back, including all the academic standards, including those teacher certification rules. And you know, while we've been awaiting the Senate's action, we've been talking about this, it seems like every week of the session and, and every week here on the podcast, we've been talking about, well, let's wait and see what the Senate does. Let's wait and see what the Senate does. For all of that anticipation, the hearing felt like a done deal even before it began. And the reason I say that is because um, the Senate had pretty much spelled out an exit strategy even before Senate education met on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, they had mm-hmm. Senator, uh, Senate Chairman, Senate Education Chairman Dean Mortimer introduced a resolution on Monday. We were both there. But it, it gave them that alternate path to say that we still have concerns about these standards, but we're not going to take the scorched earth approach that House Ed did. We're going to convene an interim committee. We're going to study the standards, recommend replacements so that we have something to put in their place rather than just repeal them. And I believe... Vice Chairman Stephen Thane was a little bit critical of the House's actions, saying they didn't do the full job. Repealing the standards is one thing, but they didn't do the full job. And we can get into the risks here, um, but they didn't have anything to replace it with. And the Senate had a problem with that. That was exactly what it boiled down to. And I think that's why the interim committee proposal uh, was attractive to Senate education and ultimately to the full Senate. We've seen this before on a lot of different issues, not just education issues, when the legislature finds itself at an impasse on an issue. Quite frequently, the the solution or the proposal that comes out of all of that uh, confusion and stalemate is 
well, let's put together a committee to study this in the off season. Let's take a few months and have a few meetings through the summer and the fall and try to figure out a path forward. And I think that was uh, that was clearly an attractive option to uh, Senate education. You mentioned, uh, you know, Senator Thane. Now, I, I talked to him after Wednesday afternoon's vote and, you know, listened to him in in Senate education and on the Senate floor. Yeah, Stephen Thane is no fan of Common Core. He's right. no fan of the English and math standards that are, that are aligned to Common Core. He wants to make changes in those standards, as uh, just as many of the House Republicans in, in the Education Committee want to see changes. His uh, you know, his you know, his path forward was: we've got to have a plan. We've got to have some sort of a a plan for replacement. And you're absolutely right. He kind of said. House, you only did half of the job. You, you pointed out the easy problem. half. Well, yeah, yeah I, you know, true. You know, you pointed out the problem, but you didn't really get us on the road to a solution. The interim committee is the Senate's uh, proposal to try to come up with a solution. Now, that interim committee proposal, which passed the Senate right Wednesday morning on a thirty-one to three vote, um, which kind of you know. You know, set the stage for what we saw in Senate education a couple hours later. That interim committee proposal still has to go to the House. And we've gotten kind of mixed signals from right. House education about how that committee feels about what the Senate is talking about. You, you spoke to Chairman Lance Clough on Monday right after the uh, proposal came out in committee. He was very lukewarm. Yeah. Yeah, he said he kind of speculated, you know, I, I he said he hadn't read it. He hadn't talked to Mortimer about it, but he sort of speculated that, well, if the Senate goes ahead and carte blanche approves all these rules, we might have something to say about this interim committee proposal. That might be a tougher sell for us. But then you talk to Vice Chairman Kirby on Wednesday, and it sounded like maybe there is a little bit of an opportunity to work together. Obviously, we don't know quite yet, but what did... Representative Kirby tell you? The tone that I got from uh, Ryan Kirby and the content of what Ryan Kirby was talking about, because he sat in on that Senate yeah. Education Committee hearing on Wednesday afternoon. And I, you know, I made a beeline to him after the, the meeting adjourned because I wanted to get a reaction. He was very measured. He was very almost philosophical about it. He said, you know, we're right where I thought we were going to be. And I asked him specifically about the interim committee. He said, well, that's one idea that may or may not happen. But he was very clear that he thinks that the two houses are going to figure something out here, that there's a lot of ideas that are being talked about. There's a lot of conversation that's going on. Um, You know, we talk about kind of that scorched earth, uh, you know, approach to to rules or to standards. Uh, Ryan Kirby did not sound like a guy who wanted to, to take the scorched earth approach that he wanted to see. Well, what can we work out with? Uh, he with voted the against repealing all the standards. Exactly, I think he's been, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, he's not been on board with the idea of repealing all of these academic standards in the first place. And I think, as you know, uh, you know, a vice chair of that committee, I think he's trying to figure out, well, what can we, you know, what kind of common ground can we find here between our committee and the Senate committee? So, you know, well, obviously, this is not done by any stretch of the imagination because if there's an interim committee we'll be we'll be following that all summer if there's some other approach to talk about standards and talk about new standards we'll be following that because dean mortimer 
Stephen Thane, Lori Dan Hartog, Chuck Winder, Republicans on that Senate Education Committee were pretty clear. They think something has to change with these yeah. standards. We have to come up with something that everybody can live with so we're not in this perpetual battle over standards. Uh, we've got to move on. You know, that, that's a committee that's talking about something needs to be different here, and, and this can't keep going on. So what form that takes, whether it's an interim committee, whether it's whatever, uh, we've not heard the last of the standards debate by any stretch of the imagination. We've probably heard the last of the standards debate for this legislative session, however. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, rules are, are a tricky thing. Well, <laughs> yeah, and the, it, the rules it, process is a tricky it thing. It is. Still. And I think we're going to be in this boat where we're talking about rules and standards on into the future, the future legislative sessions. There was just one other thing that I had noticed about Senate Education's vote on the standards that I thought struck me as significant. And actually two kind of parts of the same whole here. The motion came from Senator Mortimer, the chair. And while that is not unprecedented, it's somewhat unusual for a chair to pass the motion. It's significant. I mean, that adds a little oomph behind it. But also, even more than that, the vote was unanimous. The vote to approve the standards was unanimous. And there are some conservative members of Senate education. And some of those members have some serious questions about the academic standards but because the motion came from the chairman and because it was unanimous, Republicans and Democrats alike approving the standards, I thought that that was a pretty dramatic smackdown of the House Education Committee's approach the week before, where they didn't even get one Republican uh, to vote against approving the standards. Senate had stayed together. They had a unified voice. Senator Mortimer gave them another option, uh, and that vote was unanimous. And I think that sends... Uh, whether the House would admit it or not, I think that sends a strong message, I would say. Right. Yeah, I, I think uh, the whole process, the whole hearing, it was very clear where this committee wanted to go on Wednesday. Um, you know, now we'll see where this goes. And, you know, we are in some ways we are still where we were when where the session started six weeks ago. House and the Senate still really don't see eye to eye about this. At odds over process. rules. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know, Chuck Linder alluded to that. Uh, during the the meeting on Wednesday, he said, you know, we're still trying to work out a, a path to where, you know, can the House and the Senate agree on a procedure for approving rules? There's still this tension between the House and the Senate. House it goes members, back a few years, too. Oh, it, it, it goes back a few years and came to a head last year. And it is it, it's still the same same argument. <laughs> you know, should both houses approve rules or can one house approve rules and essentially override the other house, you know, as we just saw again this week. That is still a thorny issue. That is still a very contentious issue between the House and the Senate, and it is still not resolved. So in the big picture, what does what the rules process look like next legislative session? I don't even want to begin to think about it, <laughs> yeah. nor do I want to begin to try to guess because, uh, you know, this is this is Groundhog's Day. You know, this, yeah. you know, we've seen this thing over and over and we still don't have resolution. We do, however, have a little bit of closure on the standards aspect. If you're, the rules. if you're so an we, educator, we can tell educators yeah. what's going on. If you're an educator wondering about what you're going to teach to next year, it's not going to change. If you're a parent wondering, it, it, it's not going to change uh, in the upcoming school year uh, because the standards were approved. We'll probably be back here uh, during the 2021 or the 2022 session for sure, uh, discussing standards again, and then it's anybody's guess what will happen. Uh, but the rest of this school year, uh, the upcoming school year, uh, nothing will change. Nothing will change in regards uh, to those standards. That's the clarity that we now have. 
So while that was the big action that took place in the Senate Education Committee, there were two very uh, significant hearings on the, on the House side, on the House Education Committee. Let's start with the one that you covered on Tuesday. This one, I got to admit, it kind of surprised me a little bit. I, I didn't expect what we saw and what we heard in the House Education Committee on a proposal that has a lot of support in the education community. Uh, bring us up to speed about uh, social-emotional training and the pushback that uh, you heard in House Education on Tuesday. It was it was a wild hearing uh, for sure, and, and we'll get into that. But Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ibarra uh, was in front of the House Education Committee on Tuesday. She was presenting her budget recommendation, her $1 million proposal to provide training and resources uh, for teachers and to support students dealing with social emotional issues, to focus right. on students' mental health uh, and, and mental well-being. It's to help the on-the-ground staff help kids when they see a, a, a kid who's wrestling with a problem. And this is an issue that is is almost the issue of our time in our education yeah. circles. We look back to the recent Idaho Youth Risk Behavior Surveys, talking about 23% of respondents, 23% of students in the last year had serious thoughts about suicide. Uh, we've reported about some yeah. of the students who've died by suicide in eastern Idaho at at an alarming rate. Uh, I talked to Superintendent Ybarra. She said Idaho ranks about fifth in the nation for its suicide rate. We have a very high rate. Uh, and so Superintendent Ybarra was presenting her proposal to provide training and resources. And the reason why it caught me off guard is because it's her idea to implement a recommendation that came out of the task force this summer that she was a member of. Now, I want to be real clear. This was Superintendent Ybarra's presentation. Uh, the governor was not there. The State Board of Education President, Debbie Critchfield, was not there. Task Force Co-Chairman Bill Gilbert was not there. But it was Superintendent Ybarra saying, here is my proposal to implement the social-emotional recommendation that came out of the governor's task force that had a lot of support from the education community, the and, and business it, and community. It ties, and it does tie into a $1 million budget request yep. that the governor supports. Yep. They're in they're on lockstep in terms of, yes, we should put some money into this training. So this seemed like fairly straightforward, and right off the bat, it went off the rails. Right off the bat, the first question from a House Education Committee member came from Representative Barbara Ehart, a Republican from Idaho Falls, who told the Ybarra staffer presenting the proposal, let me start by saying, I do not share your enthusiasm from this. And it went it went downhill from there. We had Rep Representative Tony Wisniewski a Republican from the Post Falls area saying, picture, if you will, a thought experiment. Let's go back to when you and I were in school a generation or two ago. This was the 1960s for a lot of us. We had respect back then. And if we didn't, you know, maybe our parents weren't shy about taking us behind the woodshed. That was a comment mm -hmm. uh, that he had made. And it, at one point towards the end, three of the representatives on the committee uh, gathered their things and left the room. Out of a back door, we heard from two of the three uh, who left. Judy Boyle said she went to speak with uh, Speaker of the House Scott Bedke for a couple of minutes about a bill and some other issues. Uh, she missed the last 26 minutes of the meeting and did not return. Uh, Representative DeMordant uh, left to go speak with a group of students from Eagle High School uh, while the meeting was still going on. And she told us later this week that she went and she told them about the time that she helped a friend of hers run for the local sewer board it was her first foray into politics, and Kevin, uh, to tie a, a bow around it, uh, the campaign netted 22 votes. Um, so, but 
sort of a, a shocking committee hearing. Uh, not that the legislators have to go along with every million-dollar proposal that comes before them, uh, but it was beyond that. They were showing open hostility yeah. uh, to this proposal, so much so that it elicited a strong response from one of the Democrats on the committee. That's Representative Steve Birch. He's a Boise Democrat. I'm just going to read what he said in response to some of this Republican pushback to the idea Quote, I'm not interested in building a bridge to a mythical version of the 1950s where every parent is ward in June Cleaver, end quote. Uh, so he was disgusted by what he saw and the behavior he saw from his fellow committee members. That doesn't it mean they have... It gives you a sense of kind of the sharp division yeah. on this issue within that committee. Um, you know, but also, I mean, there was the pushback to the pushback. I mean, you, you spoke to Superintendent Ibarra after that... Um, after that presentation, after that hearing. And she didn't mince words about what she heard. I I saw Superintendent Ibarra become a leader on this issue this week, and she was outspoken. And when other people weren't weighing in, uh, she waded right into one of the big issues mm -hmm. uh, this session and this year. And she said, I just don't know how you can say no to that. I just don't know how you can consciously, in good faith, represent the people of Idaho and say, tired of being asked for money. Superintendent Ybarra went on to say, we have mental health issues in the state of Idaho that need to be addressed, period. End of discussion. Parents and teachers are asking for support. And that's one of two areas where I saw Superintendent Ybarra stand up and be a leader and push back on things yeah. uh, this week. Earlier this week, pushing back on the standards. On the standards issue. appeal, and saying whether... you are jeopardizing $250 million in federal funding that is earmarked for our most at-risk, vulnerable students uh, when you talk about threatening to repeal these standards. And she said, as superintendent, my job is to protect students, and I'm not going to let them do it. Uh, and so I've, I've had an accountability project where I've been paying attention uh, to the leaders in education circles this year. And I've seen Superintendent Ibarra, along with uh, some of the other leaders, including State Board of Education President Debbie Critchfield, but I've seen Superintendent Ibarra be more engaged, be more present at the legislature uh, this year, be at some of those big hearings. And this week I saw her stand up to the legislature and say, people are asking for help and we need you to pay attention and we need you to help come up with a solution. And, and, that, and that is a departure. I mean, what we've seen in past years and what we've heard from State Superintendent Ibarra on a lot of issues uh, she's tended to defer to the legislature yeah. and said and say, you know, that's the legislature's call. That's the legislature's call. In this case, she's saying, legislature, you, you've got to support this. Uh, she really is uh, is backing this issue. You know, and, you know, we talked about the governor wants this. The task force wants this. Uh, Superintendent Navarro wants this. Uh, the teacher of the year, Stacey Lawler, has made this a, a personal yeah. issue. I mean, and it really hits home for her. And, and we've talked about that in the past on this podcast. You know, there's a lot of momentum within the education establishment, within the education community about the need to address these social emotional issues. And really, you've got house education kind of, uh, you know, in isolation on this on this front, you know. So where does this go from here? Let, let's talk about that a little bit, because you've got this you know, parallel track that we've got in the legislature quite often between what happens on the budget side and what happens on the policy side. Um, Joint Finance Appropriations Committee will have to decide about the $1 million budget request. 
I think I think we may hear from the governor or from the task force on a proposal uh, as well on the social emotional learning piece and so. But there well, is, and the governor's having a Q and A with reporters on Wednesday. There's there's a chance that one of us might ask him about social emotional. I mean, this yeah. is an issue. It's from the task force. You know, I mean, I'm not being coy here. I mean, it. You know, the governor's office has been pretty quiet about what House Education said this week, but we know where the governor has been on this issue. We know it's part of his budget request. Anyway, March 3rd is the big date in JFAC. We'll see if uh, if budget writers put funding into this. But you still have these education committees that really covet their, their policymaking role. You heard that from Chairman Clow this week when he went to JFAC and said, you know, you guys do the numbers. We do the policy and committee. There's that, there's that friction that's been around for a long time uh, between the budget committee and the policy committee. And so simply between JFAC, which sets the budget, and the policy committees like your House Education Committee, your Senate Education Committee, and I was there early on, I want to say Wednesday morning. Yep, Wednesday morning. Uh, but Representative Lance Clough and Senator Dean Mortimer gave their budget recommendations to JFAC. Not really such a surprise as to what the recommendations were. Um, talking about K-3 literacy, talking about support uh, for teacher salaries through the career ladder, a number of different areas there. Uh, but at the end, Representative Clough encouraged, like you said, JFAC to focus just on the numbers and the budgets and leave the policy writing to the education committee. And I think that really is a good place to introduce well, this. Well, oh, go ahead. But, but at the same time, well, you've got house education, you know, pushing back against this idea of social emotional. When uh, Mortimer pulled his committee, the Senate education committee about their budget priorities, he asked them to give list three top yep. priorities, three top spending priorities for this year. Four of the nine senators, when they turned in their, their slips of paper on Tuesday, had social emotional learning as one of their top three priorities. Yeah. Hours after House Education's hearing, four of the nine listed this as a top priority. That doesn't mean that only four of them support the idea, but four of them say, hey, this is a big deal. Top We've three. got to fund yeah. this thing. So you've even got maybe some difference of opinion between... <laughs> Surprise, surprise, difference of opinion between House Education and Senate Education on a policy issue. So a lot to watch as this thing plays itself out. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to introduce a really interesting analysis piece that you had this week on Thursday, looking at really the last nine, ten days in the House Education Committee. You said it was kind of a rogue week and a half for a rogue committee. But what did you mean by that? And and kind of take us through the analysis. It's going to be one of those pieces you're going to want to read, and it's worth your time. It's at the homepage at idahoednews.org. But kind of set it up and introduce sort of your line of thinking and, and where the article went. What I was trying to get at is something that we've seen, and it's not new this session, no. but it just feels like it's uh, more prevalent this session. Uh, this House Education Committee is, uh, you know, you know, I called them House Education Island, and I wasn't trying to be cute. I mean, I, I guess it's cute. But, yeah, they are really operating in isolation on a lot of these education issues. When you talk about the, the, uh, the content standards, um, you know, the education community is largely in support of keeping those standards in place. Uh, the testimony you heard, you know, day after day in committee, uh, educators saying, by and large, I mean, there were a couple uh, of educators opposing the standards, but by and large, the educators were saying, keep the standards. Uh, on social-emotional learning, like we talked about, you've got the governor, you've got the state superintendent, you've got the, the governor's task force, you've got the teacher of the year all saying, we've got to do something here. Um, you've got members of the Senate committee saying, yeah, we got to do something here. And House Education saying, well, we're not sure we need to do something here. 
Um, you know, this is, you know, the House is a very conservative chamber right now. Correct. And, you know, you could say the same thing about the conservative bent of any of the key committees in the House. You state affairs state comes affairs to mind. is very conservative. Yeah. Uh, revenue taxation is a conservative committee. They're, they're not, you know, if you're expecting, you know, big tax increases to come out, out of that committee, uh, you know, good luck with that. Right. Um, for the most part, these key House committees are very conservative because it's a very conservative group. You know, you, you know, they... The committees represent the overall tenor of that uh, of that chamber, with the exception of the the budget committee. Uh, that is a pretty moderate committee, and you look at the House Republicans on that committee, more or less moderates. So, I, I just wanted to look at what's happening with the House Education Committee, the, the conservative bent of this committee, but really kind of the it, it's it's a yeah they are really trying to push the envelope on these issues and running at odds with, you know, the establishment way of thinking on most of these issues, on many of these issues. And, you know, standards was a key example. Social emotional now is an emerging issue. It's fun to watch somebody else get a taste of the House Education Committee because normally just a little peek behind the curtain. Normally that's my assignment every morning and you tend to focus on the Senate, but you covered the House a couple of days this week while I was at the State Board of Education and then we've doubled up uh, a couple of days, but I, I think that that was a really interesting um, piece, and, and I think it puts things in perspective in a, in a pretty interesting way. I've used this we, phrase... We, one thing we alluded to, I, don't want, I wanted to get to, because we, we talked about it a little bit when we were talking about Tuesday's uh, hearing on social-emotional learning and the back and forth between uh, Republicans, and you mentioned Steve Birch's quote. One thing that does jump out at me, and I don't go to House Ed as often as you do, but I go to Senate Ed pretty much every day... Yeah. Um, House education, even the interplay between the committee members, among the committee members, has a sharp tone quite often. It has kind yeah. of a confrontational tone. Govern has said in education, those nine senators, they hardly ever get in each other's faces, uh, figuratively speaking. And that's not to suggest that Senate education is, you know, of one mind on these issues. You've got very conservative senators like uh, Lori Dan Hartog and Steve Thane and Dean Mortimer and, and Chuck Winder, and you've got the two Democrats uh, on that committee, you, you just you don't have the same dynamic. You don't have the same kind of persona in Senate education. It's a pretty collegial group. They, they, may, they don't agree on everything, but they are pretty cordial. Yeah. They're pretty low-key. Um, it's like night and day house going from morning, very, morning house very rough committee to, sometimes. to afternoon Senate ed. It's like night and day. And this is a phrase I used a couple minutes ago on the podcast, but I think it comes back to a power struggle. And I think house education wants to be the player uh, when it comes to setting education policy. And so there's a little friction right now between the House Education Committee and the State Department of Education or the State Superintendent of Public Instruction. And as we've talked about, there's a little friction between the House and the Senate. But I think it is a power struggle. And just the demeanor and the tone and the way things transpire um, – you know, I'm not, you know, I'm going to put money on the fact that you're not going to see Republicans on the Senate Education Committee show up their chairman uh, by not attending a meeting when he has a bill up for introduction. I don't think you would see that in the Senate Education no, Committee. You did see that last year in the House Education right, right. Committee. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different committee. It, it's a very different persona. I mean, committees kind of take on kind of a collective personality. And, and you definitely get a sense of the different personalities of these committees. And, you know... 
dovetails to another big hearing that we had in House Education this week. You were there on, on Wednesday. Yeah, and I was there because you were at the state board meeting. A bill that we've been waiting to see unveiled, introduced, Barbara E. Hart's bill on transgender athletes and what this would do in essence, would it would, it would prohibit uh, transgender girls and transgender women from competing in girls and women's sports. Um, yeah. That, that's the crux of the bill. That's what the bill does. And it was introduced on Wednesday on a party line vote. Um, some pretty heated discussion, again, within the committee, because this is just a print hearing. And again, you all know the civics, or most of you know the civics, but it bears repeating. Print hearings are not public hearings. Uh, there may be some discussion between committee members, but public testimony hardly ever is taken. Often they're a formality. Often, often but not often always. Often they're rubber stamp uh, procedural things. This one was not. Um, Democrats tried to uh, kill the bill before it was even printed. That failed, predictably enough, on a party line vote. You had, uh, you had Steve Birch saying, this is not a priority. We've got more important things to be dealing with with education. You had John McCrosty, Democrat from Garden City, saying, this treats trans girls and trans women like they're not real girls and real women, and that's disappointing to me. He, he was trying to get the bill uh, killed in committee. You had Republicans on, uh, on Ehart's side saying, no, we do think this is a priority. We do think this needs to be done. It's an it, issue it, it, I have it, not heard about it, as an education reporter. Uh, I, I, and I know there are other states wading into this debate, and I know it's here in Idaho now. I have not heard as an education reporter, as someone who spends a lot of time around the schools, uh, I, I, I've not heard schools pushing for this. I've, I've not heard parents pushing for this. I, I'm not really sure. It'll be interesting if the representatives pushing this bill can make the case that of where this is coming from and why this is needed. And there's a lot we want to do and there's a lot I want to do in terms of reporting and try to get at the mechanics of this bill, the, you know, the mechanics of this issue. Uh, shout out to uh, Jimmy Dawson, our friend and, and colleague at Boise State Public Radio. He did some reporting on this this week. Uh, and he found out that NCAA has a policy that effectively allows trans girls and trans women to compete in intercollegiate athletics as women's athletes. It could put the state at odds with, uh, put the state NCAA. At, at odds with NCAA policy. He has uh, he's reported on that. So there's a lot we're still going to have to sort out. And, you know, again, this bill was just introduced. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of bills in the hopper, uh, a lot of legislation, maybe not as hot button as this issue, but a lot of legislation that I feel like we're going to be digging in and catching up on because the standards debate has been so all-consuming these first few weeks. A lot we want to get to on this bill, but, you know, not surprisingly, a very emotional topic, uh, you know, some emotional back and forth within the committee, just in the print hearing. Assuming this comes back for a full public hearing in the, in the House Education Committee, I would expect it to be a very uh, contentious hearing. Right. Um, Sammy Edge uh, was with me on Wednesday for the, the print hearing. She caught up with some folks in the audience on both sides of the issue. So we have comments, uh, reactions from folks who are in in the committee room watching the proceed the proceedings, uh, and it kind of gives you a foreshadow of what to expect as this bill moves forward because I fully expect it'll get a hearing in house education. And when that happens, uh, we'll be there. It may be Tuesday next week in house ed. Haven't seen an agenda yet, but it could be uh, next week. And I know they are planning some interesting hearings for Tuesday 
in-house education. We were talking just before we turned the microphone on. Here we are wrapping up, I want to say, week six, heading into week seven. We've yep. turned the corner with the legislative session. Uh, the first half was dominated with this rules and standards debate. Now we're looking at legislation, as you pointed out. Uh, the transgender athlete bill is something that we'll be tracking. There was a major bill. There were several yeah. major bills introduced Monday that we haven't even talked about yet that could have been the top story of any more normal week uh, from we a legislative finally session. finally have a funding formula bill that yeah. kind of snuck in at the last minute. Senator Lori Den Hartog, a Republican out of the Meridian area, has a bill, and it's more of a simpler transition. It would not have some of the weights and some of the different things going into it uh, that last year's proposals had. This would be like Five kind of a, year transition. a yep. first step and a definite transition period, but going from... And, and this sounds like semantics, but it, I tell you it's important. Uh, but going from our attendance-based calculation for school funding to an enrollment-based calculation on school funding. And, and I know that sounds like we're splitting hairs, but there actually is a difference, and it's an important difference um, for schools. But that's what the bill sets up. It was just introduced Monday on the bill deadline uh, in Senate education, and that bill's going to uh, potentially come back. Uh, for a full hearing, or potentially there could be a competing bill right. introduced on the House side. Uh, but And one thing that's kind of a kicker in this bill and is, uh, as you said, Lori Dan Hartog and uh, Wendy Horman is, is sponsoring it over on the House side. Folks who've been on this uh, inter, uh, interim committee studying the funding formula for a while, uh, well-versed in the issue, but what's really significant in this proposal is it's revenue neutral. No new funding. Means that there would be no additional funding, so... If a school district or a charter school is going to get more money under the new formula, they get more money under the new formula. If they're going to get less, they're going to get less. They're, and that's been a big part of this debate. You know, how do you hold schools harmless? Do you hold schools harmless? How do you transition into a formula? How do you, you know, kind of smooth out the, uh, you know, you know, the the valleys and the uh, the, the canyons if you uh, start to uh, reduce some funding for these schools? So that's. You know, that's going to be a discussion point for sure if this bill moves forward. I caught the introductory hearing on Monday, and I believe it was Senator Janie Ward-Engelking, a Democrat from Boise, a former educator who said— Also served on this interim committee on my, the formula. Yeah, and so she, she said— knows her stuff as well. She said that her concern is, without new money, that we're going to see winners and losers. And so she voted to introduce the bill, but she already kind of threw that marker down that uh, we're going to have this conversation. We're going to have this debate— about the funding and the winners and losers, because that was one of the big things that was really hard to wrap, for everyone to wrap their arms around. Last year, when you had those seemingly billions of spreadsheets running around, showing billions of dollars going all over the place, and a lot of red ink and black ink, and it was kind of hard to track. Um, this is a simpler bill, uh, but the implications for school districts could be unknown to a certain sure. extent. And so I Simpler expect, does not mean less controversial. Yeah, I expect a healthy debate if this comes back or or maybe there will be a competing piece of legislation. But that bill it, is just starting its journey. That's it, brand new. And oh, by the way, uh, Senate Education, when they meet on Monday, I don't know what bills will be before the committee, but that is that coincides with the Idaho School Boards Association's annual lobbying trip to, to Boise. Uh, they, the committee usually hears presentations from ISBA leadership um, when they have their uh, their committee hearing uh, coinciding with the lobbying. I suspect the funding formula may come up, and even if the bill isn't on the agenda, I suspect the issue may come up. But, you know, just, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are several bills, uh, whether it's rural teachers. Election dates election and frequency dates. of elections, we're watching those. Um, a, a, 
a, a bill that would restrict you know, teacher licensing in, in terms of you know, could, you know, convicted felons who have served their time still get a, a, a teacher certification. That bill is headed to the Senate floor. Just a lot of bills out there that, you know, you know got to be up front. I feel like, you know, we're going to be doing a little bit of catch up because we've been so consumed with the standards issue. And we've had so much reader interest in this and so many comments on, on the issue that that's been our priority. Yeah. Now it's now we're into the legislation aspect of the session, and we'll uh, we'll have full coverage. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe we've seen a bill uh, to change teacher pay levels in Idaho. And if the governor or the superintendent do go forward with their plans uh, to build out the career ladder to invest in teacher salaries for veteran educators, it's my understanding that would require a bill yep. uh, to change the existing career ladder structure. We have not seen that yet. Perhaps it would be introduced on the House side. Remains to be seen. Um, we still got a long ways to go, um, and in some ways, this is like the first week of the legislative session. That sounds weird, but because so much of the debate uh, was left over from dealing with the rules and the standards, in some ways, it was like this week was the first week of the legislative session, even though it was actually the sixth week. Right. And I know not, that's a weird thing to say. No, and, and what we're seeing, it's not unique to education. I'm, I'm getting that same rumbling around the state house on from other committees and from other, you know, you know, from other circles, the idea that the legislation is really finally starting to uh, hit the pipeline. So we've got our work cut out for us here in the next few weeks, right. and we will continue to talk about it here. Um, you know, quick promo, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm also going to be on Idaho Reports tonight talking about the Week in Review. You'll be able to catch that uh, on Idaho Public TV Friday night and on the website and uh, on my blog after Friday. I'm also going to be on Boise State Public Radio uh, Friday afternoon talking about the Week in Review, and I will link the audio from that to uh, to my blog. So if you still want to hear me talking about this stuff, uh, you've got plenty of other opportunities. And we'll be talking about more next week because it, it feels like it's really heating up. Yeah, we'll be having uh, breakfast with the governor next week. We're going to ask him a lot of questions. We'll have more clarity. We're going to have some big hearings in house education more bills to follow. And, and a grocery so, tax credit bill gets a hearing on Monday morning in revenue and taxation. Doesn't have a direct effect on public school spending. But budgets. But it, but it does affect budgets. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. So this week is in the books, but next week is already looming large. Yeah, hang on. We had a really big week and a lot of big stories. And we had one of our best weeks ever in terms of readership. So I want to thank everybody for following us, for following us and connecting with us on social media, for visiting the homepage. Uh, we had an awesome week and there's so much more to, to cover and education is a big part of everything that's going on this session. So Kevin and I will continue to be there every day working live out of the State House for our coverage and just want to thank everybody once again for going yeah. on this journey with us. We always have a lot of fun breaking down this complicated intersection of education policy, education politics. We have a lot of fun on the Extra Credit Podcast. If there's anything you're wondering about, give us a shout on email or on Twitter. I'm at Clark Corbin. He's at Kevin Richard. If you're on Twitter, you've probably seen us around. Uh, but let us know what you're thinking and what you're wondering about this session. Uh, other than that, thanks so much. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week. <laughs>